Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Another edition of the Night Report podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me today is Chris Nolaski and Craig Epstein. Guys, program-defining win last night. Rutgers went into Mackey Arena, arguably the hardest place in college basketball to play a game as an opponent, and they beat the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers 65 to 64. I was on the edge of my seat all last night. I was, you know, just sweating every single possession. Rutgers had a big lead at one point. And then had to fight back a ferocious comeback from Purdue to to hold on to the one point win. Guys, first off, did you guys were you guys watching the whole game last night? What, what was your experience like? Yeah, so I mean, I, I was actually Craig and I, I had other you know obligations at the same time last night, but um, but I did I did I did watch the whole game. Um, you know, it was absolutely absolutely insane. I mean, going into the game, I didn't really feel good. You know, for Rutgers' chances. I mean. Purdue, I, I know, I know. Purdue in the last couple of weeks, they had close games. You know, they had, um, you know, Nebraska. I think went to overtime and they played a, a couple of cupcakes. But then they beat in November, like Duke and and um, Duke and Gonzaga by like twenty points. So I was like, man, this Purdue team's good. Obviously, they're ranked number one. Um, but you know, I wrote a preview on like on like Monday or Sunday, and I was like, I saw a crazy stat how. They said, you know, obviously everyone knows Mac Arena is like insane and one of the, you know, toughest, you know, atmospheres, you know, arenas to get a win in. Um, but I, I read something crazy how they lost the first game of the new year at Mac Arena in like four of the last five years or seven years, whatever it was. Oh, really? So I was like, hey, I mean, I don't know, man. Obviously Rutgers beat them last year and then then number one. I read that. I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe Rutgers can pull this off again. <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously Rutgers built that big lead in the first half. They really... They really played so much better than Indiana in the first half, offensively, defensively. Um, you know, Rutgers dealing with foul trouble the whole game, and they still managed to win. Um, I know when Purdue was getting that, you know, run in the second half, I was like, well, here, here, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really get a sense that Rutgers was gonna, you know, fold over and you know just let Purdue get the win. I really thought they would punch back, and they did. I mean, you know, I thought the way they managed the game with, with the foul trouble and putting guys in and in, in the right spots at the right time was. Was phenomenal. Um, you know, the, every time they they punch back, I mean, Ken Spencer. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but Ken Spencer had four fouls. He comes in late in the game and makes the three pointer. Um, you know, every everybody else was in foul trouble. Paul McKee kind of took took the ball and took the reins a little bit, and you know, near the end. Um, I mean, Purdue is one of the best rebounding you know teams in the country in terms of offense rebounds, and um, you know, Rutgers was only minus three or so overall in rebounding, minus one in offense rebounds. Um, they outscored them, um, you know, second chance points, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, I mean, Rutgers just played really well. I mean, Rutgers is, you know, a crazy ref error away from being 3-0 in the Big Ten. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure, I mean, everyone else, you know, everyone will sign up for that. So, I mean. Absolutely. Rutgers, I mean. 2-0 on, on, on the road, too. win on the road. I mean, that's yeah. – that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, I mean, 
for for me, it was like I thought Rutgers had a. Ch- I, I thought going into this game, Rutgers had a chance. But I mean, do you ever really expect a team to go into Mackey Arena and beat a number one ranked Purdue? Like that's just the kind of something that you don't, I guess, really predict. But going into this game, I did think Rutgers had a chance because, like you said, Purdue Purdue had some quality wins, but their non conference schedule was pretty soft, and they kind of struggled here and there. So I was like, okay. Rutgers and Purdue pretty much play a very similar style of basketball, kind of play that, you know, rough and tough down low style game. Neither team shoots beyond the arc very well. So it's like, okay, if Rutgers can at least keep this thing close, it's like, you never know. And as to me, and to me, it's, and to me, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a he or she agrees too. But, um, that's no, all good. But, um, I was just like, yeah, I mean, Ruck- I think Rutgers could keep this game close. And then went like that thing, you never know. I mean, then, I, then really after that first half where Rutgers really just kind of dominated the game and went into, with, went to halftime with a 10 point lead, I was like, man, Rutgers, Rutgers can really leave, Rutgers can win this game. And I figured, I mean, even when they went up by 13, you, you knew Purdue was going to fight back. It's, it's Purdue at Mackey Arena. Like it's, if you're going to win, you're going to have to earn it. So Purdue fought back, but credit to Rutgers that every time they made, Purdue made a run, whether it was Cam, whether it was Paul, whoever it may be, just Rutgers made sh- big shot after big shot, and they really earned this win. I mean, to me, Rutgers was the better team in this game, and I think the biggest compliment that I can give to them was the fact that Painter said after the game, like, we knew everybody knew what Rutgers was going to do in this game, including Purdue, and they just couldn't stop it. They tried kind of, you know, that they kind of tried to drop low and defend the paint as best they could. And Paul Mulcahy just kind of drove down and whether he passed it out, shot it, whatever it may be, just they just could not stop it. So to me, the, that's that's something where, to me, their Rutgers could protect. This team, to me, when they play like this, this could be a special team because the fact that everybody knows what Rutgers' game plan is, and they still can't stop it. Yeah, uh, I think Rutgers is fastly, quickly becoming the the least favorite team for everybody to play in the Big Ten because we just do not stop. We are tenacious on defense. We are a lot better than I think a lot of like national people at least give us credit for on offense. Mm-hmm. And it, the defense, the defensive first approach is great because I know it's corny and cliche, but defense really does travel if you if you put in maximum effort. And you play great defense, like that's going to be uh, show up on the road just as much as it does at home. And obviously, it amplifies itself at home versus on the road. But going into this one, I I was not in the camp that I thought this would be a huge upset for Rutgers to win. Like if you looked at like the underlying metrics, like Rutgers was like Purdue was ranked number one in the nation, obviously in polls, but they were fourth in the net, sixth in Ken Palm rankings. Rutgers was twentieth in the net and eighteenth in Ken Palm rankings coming into this. Like this was a a close game. Rutgers, based on the point spread, there were eight and a half point dogs in this game at, at Mackey, which if you like do the, the translation to a home game, that would have basically been a pick for Rutgers at home. So I thought Rutgers had a good chance here. And I thought the main thing was Pike's really good at scheming, especially on defense. And I knew he would have some kind of plan for Zach Eady. And it was clear right away through the first few minutes of the game the plan for Zach Eady and defending him was just every time he got the ball, sending help. And they did a great job, especially with Cliff, of not picking up early, quick bullshit fouls like they normally call in the Big Ten. It was surprising that as bad as the refs were last night in terms of favoring Purdue, the first foul of the game was against Zach Eady 20 seconds in, which was huge because he ended up picking up another quick second foul about five minutes later, and he missed most of the first half. 
So that's when Rutgers is really able to build up that lead. But I think Rutgers did such a good job defending Zach Eady last night. Uh, Zach Eady started to eat mm. in the middle of the second quarter. Like, that guy doesn't look like a real human being, especially, <laughs> like, when you have a, a basketball court filled with guys between – because Purdue's long as hell, too. They're they're one of the tallest teams in the nation. When you have a, a, a court filled with guys averaging between 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and then you have this giant – like, this guy who looks like he's – like, a creative character in, in, in 2K – just out there, he's he's like slow and methodical, but he just kind of yeah. like chucks the ball at the rim, and it's like ends up being like a soft touch, like hook shot. It's like what what is this? There what was one play. I don't know if you noticed where it was an offense. I think it was an offensive rebound, and he just like Hulk slapped it back yes. out to the back to his team, and it was like, oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> yeah, in, in between like three Rutgers defenders, he just like literally just hammer punched. The ball uh, <laughs> passed out to the three-point line. It was very impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, I mean, it was work. just – the fact that they held him to one field goal and four points in the first half, unbelievable. I mean, just like you said, credit to Peichel and the, their game plan. And, and one more thing about coming into this game, why I was confident Rutgers played. You guys kind of touched on it, but in the month of November – or in the month of December, here were their opponents. They played Minnesota at home, who's the worst team in the Big Ten. They played Hofstra at home. They played at Nebraska, which they only won by three points. And Nebraska, they're not terrible, but they're not great. If you look at like their, their Ken Palm ranking, I think they're not even in the top 100. So they're 82nd in Ken Palm right now. They played uh, Davidson at home, which they only won by eight points. They played New Orleans, and they played Florida A&M. That was their entire month of December. Mm-hmm. That is not really a schedule you want to be like ramping up into the Big Ten schedule. Rutgers played a bit harder of a schedule. They also had some some tougher early games in the Big Ten, which ultimately might benefit them. I know how much we hate that about our schedule. We always kind of get screwed at that in that sense. But Purdue really wasn't coming into this game battle-hardened, in my opinion. Like, they had those early season tournament games. But, I mean, what your ranking is in the, in the month of November ultimately is not what you are as a team. And I think we've seen Duke's a little overrated coming into the season – Gonzaga's a little overrated coming into the season. So I do think Rutgers was more more sh- like iron sharpened iron coming into this than Purdue was. Um, let's talk. Yeah, I, I'm going to add on that yeah, real go for quick. It. I, mean, I mean, Rutgers has been through so much, right, too. I mean, they had the injuries to Paul and Caleb. You know, they got through that, and you know, they were able to weather the storm. Other guys got, got more minutes, you know, more experience, and, uh, you know, they're better, you know, for that as well. Um, they had the... Um, but the, the Ohio State game that I, I mentioned earlier, they kind of let the scene hall game affect, you know, they kind of let the scene hall effect from that. Um, you know, they, they took that close loss, but then they're able to, to, to bounce back and beat, you know, a Wake Forest team that, that beat Duke by a, a lot of points as well. Um, and then they obviously, you know, finished out, you know, 2022 with some easy wins against, you know, Coppola State and Bucknell, which, um, you know, Rutgers didn't, you know, they didn't do that last year against against teams like that. So, um, you know, like you said, they played you know a lot of good good teams already, and um, yeah, I, I think I think they are you know iron sharpen, and now they have a good chance to kind of kind of keep it going. You know, they have they have Maryland coming up next, and they have um, Iowa as well. That you know on this weekend, you know, both their home games. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're in a good spot right now, and um, yeah, yeah, and I would just say that I mean. Even though Purdue might not be end up being the number one team when all is said and in the nation when all is said and done, I'm fairly confident that a win at Mackey Arena will look good 
it, no matter you know when it happened. By the time you, the time you get to March, that will be this will be a, a a big win, a statement win that Rutgers can you know look at on their resume and be like, hey, you know, we did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, how many how many how many other game, how many other Big Ten teams you know this year are going to go to Mac Arena and get a win? So exactly. I mean, I mean, this might know, be the only one. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that this is by far the most impressive win on anyone's resume in college basketball this year. Um, and I think it might end up being the most impressive one at the end of the season as well. Um, I do want to talk about how this game actually played out, though, because obviously Rutgers played a phenomenal first half, but they were seemingly fighting against a little bit of ticky-tack bullshit fouls from the referees the first half and the second half. The foul disparity was pretty stark, um, to put it lightly. Um Rutgers was called for 24 fouls versus Purdue's 11. Purdue got 28 free throws versus Rutgers' 11. This is just something that happens in the Big Ten, unfortunately. They're very home-biased in terms of the whistle. I wish it wasn't that way, but it goes for us at the rack and against us on the road. I was very impressed, though, that the team kept their composure and didn't get – because we've seen this team fall apart in you know when they faced adversity in past mm-hmm. seasons – that hasn't happened as much this year. Obviously, you referenced the the Iowa State robbery, like kind of bleeding into the Seton Hall game. Uh, but I was really impressed with just the the adverse, like the dealing with adversity that they they dealt with, um, and finding a way to win with things going against them. Because when that uh, when that lawyer kid hit that three to put them up to late in this one, I was just like, oh, here it is. This is how we lose this game. This is, you know, not typical Rutgers, but this sucks. Like, we came so close again. And sure enough, Pike drew up a great play to get uh, Cam Spencer an open look. It sounded like that wasn't exactly how that play was supposed yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you got, you guys probably heard the the post-game press conference where Cam, well, I, Cam didn't say this, but Paul's like, he said he was going to make it. He said, give yeah. me the ball. <laughs> and, uh, Spencer just like, heartless or not heartless uh just like stone cold assassin um he's really kind of quieting some of his doubters that and i'll put my hand up i thought he was you know i was questioning whether or not he could get uh create a shot for himself and he was phenomenal tonight um what did you guys think offensively though of of ruckers in, in this one yeah i mean i thought i thought they they played well offensively i mean this is a team that's not going to knock down, you know, a bunch of threes, but they had, what, five or six threes, and that's what you need, you know, to win a game in the Big Ten, especially on the road. Um, You know, Cliff Cliff was really good early. You know, he had um, a couple points, a couple buckets early. Um, I, I thought, I thought, I thought, um, I thought, I thought Kill McConnell hit his, hit his, you know, uh, mid-range shots. I thought he did well there. You know, Paul, Paul McKay, he took over down the end. Uh, of the game, you know, he got into lane. He got he got his own offensive rebounds and and and, and some putbacks. Um, they they kind of switched it up. Um, they had a lot of like uh pick and rolls and and and, and handoffs with uh Cliff and Paul. And I thought I thought that that really affected you know Purdue. Um, they so they did a really good job with that. Um, they, the ball moving you know wasn't you know thirty assists on on, on thirty four buckets or anything like that, but. I mean, you can obviously can't expect that every night, but um, they they did a really good job. I think um, they obviously did just enough to win, and um, I mean, you can't. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Pykele said it. You know, can't defend the foul line. So Rutgers. I mean, they, they did make nine of their eleven, you know, you know, foul shots, and you know, if they miss two more, you know, obviously, you know, 
they they wouldn't have got gotten the win. So um, they kind of you know did what they need to do and and was able to pull out the win. You know on the road here. Yeah, I mean, to me, offensively, I thought they did fine. I mean, looking at the stats, they were 25-58 from the field, 6-14 for three. I mean, this team, like you said, this team is never going to re- maybe, it might never really overwhelm you offensively. But, I mean, their defense is just so good that as long as they can just, you know, put together at least, you know, at least like average offense, they should be able to win. And, I mean, don't look now, but, I mean, I'm kind of looking at some of these scores. I mean, we kind of go, always go after Rutgers for having, like, a bad offense. But, I mean... Looking at all these scores, they average uh, other than the Seton Hall game. The Seton Hall game is kind of that one clunker that mm-hmm. kind of just sits there. But I mean, Rutgers kind of averages, you know, 60, 70, 80 points a game. I'm looking right now. I mean, if you want to take out, I guess you want to take out the cupcake games. You could say at Miami, they scored 61. They lost. But I mean, that is what it is against Indiana, 63. Mm-hmm. Won that game, obviously. Ohio State, 66. Wake Forest, 81. Bucknell, 85. Coppin State, 90. And then today's 65. So, I mean, Rutgers, like I said, Rutgers offense is kind of, it might not be overwhelmingly great, but it's been doing its job. It's been pretty good. And uh, they did it again. And to me, like you said, with the fouls, I mean, I think there was a pretty, pretty bad foul discrepancy just because, like I said before, I think Rutgers and Purdue play a very similar style of basketball, a very physical down low style of basketball. So to say that, you know, to say that Rutgers was, I guess, the team to say that Rutgers was fouling that much more than Purdue is just hard for me to believe. And somehow, like Zach Eady, you said, picked up two early fouls, and it seemed like I don't, I don't even know if he fouled the rest of the wage. Which to me, it's just like I don't, I don't understand how that computes, but whatever. But I mean, like you said, Rutgers was able to keep their composure. Oh, you know what? There's two right off the off the top of my head that I can remember pretty bad was the Cam Spencer one where he came kind of flying in and he. It deflected. It looked like he got all ball on Zach Eady. Yes, yep. and they called it a foul on the sand. And that one was bad, but I guess it's kind of heat of the moment, so it is what it is. But the one that was probably the worst, I forget who it was, but it was when he stepped on Cam, uh, uh, yes. Caleb's shoe, Caleb. goes down, yeah. and it might have shuffled his feet, and somehow Caleb was the one who got called with the foul. That was, to me, that was the worst call of the, the game. Worst, the worst part about that one, though, is that – you know, the, the play happens, right? The guy steps on Caleb's, like, ankle. Caleb falls. The kid falls on top of him. They don't call a travel. They don't call anything. They wait yeah. about a, a second and a half, and they call a foul And then on Caleb. I thought they were going to call an offensive foul because he pushed off of Caleb to, to start and then mm-hmm. stepped and then tripped over Caleb. Yeah, the, the refs weren't great. Um, a lot of, like... A lot of just like very quick whistles, despite like not really like letting the play play out. If that makes it like yeah, looks yeah. like contact, therefore blow the whistle. Uh, one thing I like I keep noticing with this team is there a team that gets more charges called against them than Rutgers? I think we're good for at least like three to five charges called against us a game. And I mean, when you get a reputation for that, it's really tough to overcome. But our guys have to get better about not dropping their shoulders because as soon as you just drop that shoulder, even mm-hmm. if like the guy's shuffling his feet, it's going to get called against you. So they got to get better at doing that. Um, but one thing, I, like two two things that stuck out for me on offense that really impressed me. I thought Paul and Caleb did a really good job with their like their old man game. I'll call it just like <laughs> like backing dudes down. You know, uh, you know, shot fakes, like turning it into like a, a turnaround or like a, an easy layup for Paul and Spencer throughout the game. And I thought we've had this kind of discussion about like, what do we do at the end of the games when we need a bucket? And last night the answer was, and maybe this is the answer going forward, give the ball to Paul, let him, you know, 
run the high pick and roll, let him back guys down. And if, mm-hmm. you know, they, if they, because this, I don't know if this guy you trust more with the ball in his hands than Paul. If he gets doubled, he'll kick it out to the wide open shooter. If not, he'll find a way to to get an open shot because it's so mm-hmm. hard for a guard to defend Paul because he's got he's got the handle and he's six seven and college guards just aren't typically that big. So he's got he's got a lot of physical advantages that it looks like we're gonna kind of uh, rely on in late game situations moving forward if if this is how they're gonna handle it. Yeah, yeah. Paul is so good at. You know, kind of, kind of like you said, you know, packing guys down and kind of like spinning around and doing, doing whatever and get and get in the bucket. You know, um, I mean, last night, I mean, I know someone alluded to earlier that you know the the last play of the game for Rutgers wasn't you know the exact drawn up play, but I mean, Paul Paul was backing his guy down and kicked the ball out to uh, to Cam and he you know did a little pump fake and then made the three pointer. I mean, that's exactly what what you know what you was talking about. Um, you know, you know, Cam, Cam, Cam I, you know, I met Cam in the summer, obviously, when, you know, when we had the media practice. Um, everyone talked about his ability to shoot the ball and how competitive he was and how, how, how mad how mad he got if he did something wrong or, or if he missed a shot. And I, I, th- I think you're seeing it now. He's so competitive. And, he, you know, he, he won the ball. I mean, I know at some early in the season we're talking about, you know, Without Ron Harper Jr. and Jill Baker, who's going to take the end of game shots? Who's going to come up big? And we also—I always thought Cam Cam was going to be that guy, even though even though he's new to the team. Um, he has that kind of personality and kind of kind of moxie to him, and kind of kind of swagger to him that you know he could do it, and he, and he did it. Um, you know, Paul said it. You know, Pickle said it as well. You know, he he won the ball at the end there, and um, he obviously you know he delivered like I wrote about in you know in, in my sidebar at the end of the game. Um. You know, he he made the shot. He he knew he was gonna make the shot, and he did. So, um, I I, I mean, he's played he's honestly played extremely extremely well this season on both ends of the court. So, I'm very very impressed with Cam, and um, obviously, you know, still ways to go. But Rutgers also has them has them next year too. So, I'm sure I'm sure that's you know exciting for the you know for the coaches as well. Yeah, and just talking about Paul, I mean. He, just watching him last night, his footwork is second to none. You could see, mm-hmm. I mean, he like you said, the old man style of basketball where, I mean, there was a play where it was towards the end where he just kind of, mm-hmm. he did his typical kind of shuffle in the feet or, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the pivot foot type of thing. And he deked out the Purdue defender and put it up. On, it did get, you know, blocked into like the fifth row by <laughs> Zach Eady, but that's because that's what Zach Eady does. But I mean, just the move by Paul on that one was just unbelievable. And, uh, he just has such unbelievable court vision, like you said, where it's just, mm-hmm. he, he, even though the play might not have been exactly what Steve Peichel drew up, he just knew to get it out to Cam Spencer, hits the three, and that's the game. And it's just like, yeah, he is probably the he is the guy you probably want the ball in hands down the stretch of games. And if Cam mm-hmm. Spencer can be the guy that can hit those shots at the end of games, that's just another, another boost for Rutgers offense and another, you know, wrinkle in their offense that teams will have to respect towards the end of games. And yeah, it's just it's just that's exciting, just just exciting thing for Rutgers. What are you gonna say, Chris? Yeah, I mean, going back to Paul, I just want I just want to give out his stat line real quick. I mean, he had 16 <laughs> points. He made seven of 13 buckets. Uh, he made his only three. He made his only free throw. He had eight rebounds, um, three of three offensive rebounds, um, four steals, um, and obviously no no um no no turnovers. I mean. Hmm. Getting that crazy stat line, no turnovers. Um, that that's absolutely insane. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, Paul's kind of like not talked about a lot. You know, I mean, he kind of just does everything. He's he's, <laughs> he's the glue, he's he's the glue guy, and uh, he he just he just 
helps out the team in so many ways that maybe don't always show up in the box score. But obviously last night he was very much so in the box score and um, he, he really kind of, kind of willed, you know, Rutgers, just, you know, showed the win there at the end of the game. So. And after the Cam I, Spencer shot, I don't know if I've ever seen that much emotion out of him. I don't know, Chris. Maybe you saw it in uh, maybe you saw it during practices and things yeah. like that. But I mean, he was like, that was that was that was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's an assassin. I agree, though. I like, Paul has shown a lot of growth this year in terms of maturity too. Like last year, he had a few games where he let his emotions get the best of him. This game, he was as steady as a leader that you could possibly want for a team. Like that stat line you said, Chris. He led the team in points. He led the team in steals. He led the team in assists. He led the team in rebounds. He led the team in offensive rebounds. The only stat that he didn't lead the team in is blocks because there was only one. He had no turnovers. An incredible game by by mm-hmm. by Paul. By Paul, I was just blown away by how well he played. Um, I've never been to Mackey, but based on how loud it sounded on TV, mm-hmm. that sounded like a snake pit. Um, the reputation it has is right up there with the rack. Or Jersey Mike's, whatever you want to call it, whatever your corporate affiliation may be. Um, <laughs> just blown away by Paul last night. He played a phenomenal game. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we'll probably talk about this too, but I mean, it didn't end up costing him, but Caleb down, kind of down this stretch was, uh, had a little brain fart here and there between, uh, you know, there was one where it was the play, the shot clock, or yeah, the shot clock was at six seconds and he, I don't mm-hmm. think he knew. He just kept dribbling and dribbling, and the thing went out, and he was like still dribbling. So that was kind of, kind of bad. And then obviously, at the end, when he was shuffling his feet, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's had against Ohio State. He dropped that wide open pass too, where it was like an easy layup. It was like a drop pass from Spencer, I believe. Um, he, he had the the the, the twenty four second violation or the thirty second or the shot clock violation. I'm sorry, in this one, and then. Uh, the last play of the game, or one of the last plays of the game, we were inbounding from the sideline. Uh, obviously, you can move down the baseline on a, a made basket. You can't do that when it's a ball on the sideline. He just kind of drops back like a quarterback. They call the penalty on him, or they call the, <laughs> the – not the penalty. They, it's a turnover, <laughs> I guess you call it. If, if yeah, I got football <laughs> in the brain. Um, it's a turnover, and thankfully, Purdue doesn't have some, like, you know, Derek Fisher like turnaround shot or tip in from Zach Eady. Rutgers really played well, uh, good defense on that final play. But yeah, I mean, Caleb's a great player. He's a clutch player. I think these are just yeah. isolated incidents. I, I I'm not gonna you know sit here and uh, say that I think Caleb needs to you know be more headsy because I think he's a very high basketball IQ player. It's just mm-hmm. unfortunate that he's made a few critical mistakes late in games. Nah, he'll be fine. I'll, I'll chalk it up to just having a, too much of a good time on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess we can talk about briefly the last play by Purdue. I mean, they the first thing they did, you know, after the Caleb turnover, there they passed the ball into Edie, and Rutgers had like three guys, you know, surrounding Edie. He made him, you know, he made, um, he made Edie kick the ball back out, and obviously, you know, Rutgers. I mean, Purdue never got a shot off, and. Um, they actually did the same thing on the possession um, when they missed a three pointer after Cam made it. So um, Edie, they kind of surrounded Edie, um, and then he kicked the ball out. Um, they, you know, Purdue had good, good, good ball movement there, but you know, the basketball gods kind of, kind of gave Rutgers one there. The ball hit the rim a couple times. So, yeah, I think we were owed one based on how the <laughs> officiating went and how uh, the Ohio State game went. We were, we were owed a, a good karmic victory there. So. Couldn't be more happy about this win. 
Is there anything else you guys want to touch on about this game before we, we sign off today? Oh, I do you know. I just remembered when I, I we talked about it before the thing where, so if you go to Rutgers, I was looking on Rutgers Instagram and I forget under which post it was, but it was under one of them where, you know, they're talking, they put the final score and, you know, put the win and things like that. Underneath, I saw uh, Ace Bailey puts a couple fire emojis and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was on the, uh, the, the actual like win. Um, post like that shows the final score of 65 to uh, 64 it's cliff dunking it's like the top comment uh at least the most liked comment yeah outside of uh ron and uh eric legrand's replies to it yeah yeah i just saw that yeah, that's, well, that's, a, that's interesting you know i don't know i don't know if you usually see that with uh kind of recruits going on you know and if we want to get even more conspiracy minded his uh <laughs> if you go to his his story Mm -hmm. I'll show it for the uh, the camera here. Mm -hmm. He's uh, who's that? It looks like ah. Dylan That's uh, Dylan Harper's uh, yep. most recent post. So interesting. Very interesting indeed, guys. <laughs> Very interesting indeed. It's yeah. almost like we might be getting a really good class in twenty four. I don't know. We'll have to <laughs> stay tuned to that one. Never yeah. know. I mean, as 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 of right now, Rutgers is number sixteen in both Ken Ken Palm and the and the net rankings. They've never been that high ever. So, um, you know, right now they're, um, I believe they're below Purdue and Ohio State. Obviously, both teams they quote unquote beat. So, I mean, Rutgers is in a good spot. You know, they got Maryland coming up on Thursday, I think it is, and they got Iowa on Sunday, both at home. So, I mean, they have Northwestern next week. So, I mean, these next couple games. It's going to be very critical for Rutgers, you know. Um, I know it's the beginning of January, um, but I think you could kind of put, you know, Rutgers in the middle of the Big Ten uh, conversation, title conversation right now. I mean, it's obviously early. You don't know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, if Rutgers can beat Indiana, if Rutgers could go to, you know, Purdue and get the win, Rutgers could almost really beat a really good Ohio State team. I mean, you never yeah, know let's, happen, so. let's talk look ahead here. So we have two more games in the next, uh, I guess, week. Um, we have a game on Thursday night playing at home versus Maryland. On Sunday afternoon, we play Iowa. Then we go at Northwestern, and we get the, the, uh, the rematch from earlier this season playing Ohio State at home. That's our next four games. Those are all games we're going to be favored in. Um, Rutgers could very well, by the middle of January, be sitting alone in terms of first place at the Big Ten. I don't think it's out of out of the out of question at all for Rutgers to to really make a push for the Big Ten title this year. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean they, they continue playing the defense. I mean, you know, Rutgers is one of the really few teams that plays outstanding defense game in and game out. I mean, they held Purdue to the second lowest total this season. You know, last night, and that was only by by one point. Um, you know, they held they always held. Uh, you know, hold, you know, leading scores under their average and teams under their average. Um, you know, Purdue doesn't turn the ball over yet. Purdue would turn the ball over last night. You know, the yep. Rutgers had, what, nine steals or something like that. So, um, you know, they, if they play outstanding defense, they, it really fuels their offense. Um, even if they don't really play play great offense, their defense um, really, really does well on that side of the court. Um, they have the length. They have everybody that could really do a really good job, um, you know, on, on the defense. So, I mean, Rutgers, I mean, I think I think Mike said it earlier. Nobody wants to play Rutgers. Nobody, no. nobody wants to play, you know, Rutgers and and uh, their and their stout defense stuff like that. So, um, if they continue to do that and make shots, I mean, the sky's the limit really for this team, for sure. 
Yeah, and to me, it's just the probably the best thing about the Big Ten is also the worst thing about the Big Ten is that really anybody you can be like anybody can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. And if, but if, like you said, if Rutgers Rutgers is probably going to be favored in most of these upcoming games, if Rutgers can take care of business, then I don't think it's crazy to think that they might they could have a, a number next to their name. And they could be leading the Big Ten. I mean, to me, it's just not crazy. But to, but like I said, it's just you got to go out there and take care of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you look at who Rucker, because obviously some, for the for the most part of uh, Rucker's tenure uh, being in the Big Ten, they kind of gotten shafted with the scheduling. But if you look at who they played twice this year, it's Iowa, who's currently eight and six overall, zero and three in conference. We play Minnesota twice, who's the worst team in the Big Ten. We play mm-hmm. Northwestern twice, who's uh, not – they're not a bad team, um, mm-hmm. but they're not – you know, Rutgers should be favored in both those games. They play Penn State twice, which Penn State has kind of uh, been the breakout team of the Big Ten this year, so that kind of yep, sucks. Yep. We play Ohio State twice. We already played them once, the remaining games mm-hmm. at home. play Indiana twice. We've already beaten them once. And that's that's who we play twice. So it's – it's a little. It's looking. You know, the schedule looks pretty good for Rutgers moving forward. Um, we probably don't play a very tough game in conference again until we're playing at Michigan State on the nineteenth of uh, January. So, mm-hmm. obviously, we play. Uh, we play Ohio State, but we should be favored in that game, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, a really clear runway ahead for Rutgers. Like we play Maryland on Thursday. Maryland just lost by thirty-five to Michigan. Michigan, who's mm-hmm. struggling mightily this year. Michigan's a quad three team right now, believe it or not. They yeah. started the season ranked. So, and, and you know, Rutgers is going to want to be, you know, you know, uh, a Maryland's coached by uh, Kevin Willer now, and you know, yep. former former Seen Hall coach. So, you know, Rutgers is going to want to get that win there for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been uh, one of the, it was a very stressful night last night, but a huge win for the program. A huge. I just win want to throw Rutgers. on. Before you end, I just want to throw in uh, just prayers to Demar Hamlin and everybody you yeah. know who knows him, family, friends, and him. Whatever, whatever, whatever your connection to Demar Hamlin may be, just prayers for him. Hopefully, he gets through this. Last I saw, there's been no, there's been no updates, but yeah, just prayers for him because scary situation last night with the mm-hmm. with the football game. It was like it was like the same around like the same time too. It was like the end of the game and mm-hmm. yep. everything like that. So yeah, for sure, scary, scary thing for sure. Yeah, it was weird for Rutgers fans last night. The, it seems like the rest of the the world, or the rest of the Twitter world, sports world, I should say, mm-hmm. was very somber. Like it was one of the scarier moments I've ever kind of seen on TV, juxtaposed to Rutgers having this program defining win, and just like jubilation on our end. So yeah, terrible thing that happened. It sounds like he had cardiac arrest on the field. He got CPR for like eight minutes. They got him. Uh, he wasn't breathing on his own, but he does have a pulse. It sounds like he was in uh, stable condition, but he was still considered, he was in stable but critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. Um, he was at a level one trauma center, which is just, just means they have like every speciality on call, ready to go. So he, they took him to, you know, the perfect place. It's right near the stadium there. So yeah, prayers for him because uh, that was really a horrible scene in Monday Night Football yeah. last night. Uh, but for everybody here, Rutgers fans, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, another game on Thursday night to tune into. We'll have a recap of that after the game. Uh, but for me and everyone else, this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast. Signing off.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.